Oh, we're only we're only four minutes late. What happened last time? Was it weren't we like fifteen or twenty minutes late? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had some some issues. That's not too bad. No, not too bad. This is the um, wacky crispy little wacky crispy music show, wacky holiday oh. Christmas uh, type show. I've got one weirdo like Hanukkah type song, but other than that, um, they all seem to be Western Christian based or. At least mm-hmm. making fun of it, you know, while well, it have to be. That's yeah. that's because that's what this kind of show this is. One thing I'll say before the show starts is uh, somebody wrote me, and um, I don't know if he's in the Audio Curio group, but saxophonist Ralph Carney was involved in a in some sort of accident and died yesterday. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, he's, uh, he was a legendary sax player. He began his... Um, he began his music career in the... Uh, in, Ohio, I think in the Akron, Ohio area, along with a few other bands, of course, Devo being one of them. He didn't play mm-hmm. with them, but I think they all knew each other. He was in a band called Tin Huey, uh, sax okay. player. He also played with um, Tom Waits through some tours and albums and uh, the B-52s. Uh, he was 61. I just wanted to mention that because the funny thing is uh, I did not know Ralph personally. I know lots of people that knew him. Um mm-hmm he somehow found out that I was was interested in weird music. Either he or I contacted contacted each other on Facebook, I think. Oh, Black Keys. Uh, the drummer, Black uh, Patrick Carney, is, is Ralph Carney's son. Or nephew. Nephew, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so he contacted me online because he was interested in the weird, the weird music I was posting, and he actually turned me on to a whole bunch of weird, cool stuff. So I just wanted to say that about uh, uh, Ralph Carney and uh, say goodbye to him. He was 61. So uh, with that out of the way... Yeah, still on the notes, but no, but it's nice to, nice to pay mention and tribute to, to people like that. Yeah. People, especially that operate in the, the obscure sort of corners of the musical world. Yeah, I think it's nice to take a moment for sure. Yeah. Um, let me find my, make sure that uh, we've actually got listeners. Not that we care, because most, <laughs> I, as you know, most of the re- listeners come in on um, podcast later. Meanwhile, we have the Weird Music, Weird uh, Holiday Show here with Courtney again after our successful Weird Halloween Music Show. Mm-hmm. You know what I forgot is I didn't put in a. A scary Christmas song, I don't think. There's plenty of them. No, for sure, for sure. And, uh, yeah, it's well, much more so, I think, in uh, in England and, and in Europe, there's more of a traditional Christmas ghost stories. Here it's more about presents and shopping. But, yeah. uh, no, if you get any of the, like, you know, uh, Doctor Who specials or any of the classic, I mean, even, like, you know, the, the Tale of Scrooge, it's a, it's a ghost story. Yeah. So, yeah, there's always sort of, like, scary, kind of creepy stuff uh, around this time of year. Uh, in England, uh, uh, kind of traditional stuff. So, yeah, no, I don't think I have anything that's particularly... I had some on my initial... Oh, I mean, I've got a Krampus song on mine. Okay, that it's counts. A more, it's a little more goofy, though, this one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, later on we're going to get to my uh, particular... There was a couple versions of the 12 Days of Christmas, and the one that I did is... It's horrific on a different level. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have horrific. I know they're all, they're horror songs, but they are horrific. Uh, I've got a horrific one from Mae West, who who should never have been allowed to sing. But uh... hey, who? What? Get your hands up! There where you are. Don't move. Don't reach for them guns. Take it easy, you galoots. Put away the hardware and relax. What's Greg?
Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso. Now, fade, 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 fade. Oh, it's still coming out of the the speakers. Anyway, it's uh, Radio Mysterioso here for December 17th. Why does that seem? Oh, it's like it's it's close to December seventh, which is Happy Pearl Harbor Day uh, of two thousand seventeen. Um, and my guest again with the bringing the crazy music is my friend Courtney O'Hearn. Hello. And since uh, you are the guest, you go first. What crazy wacky holiday song are we going to hear first? And give us some background. I actually, and I actually did research on my songs this time, so I'm not going to be sitting here going, "I don't know anything about it," but it's pretty cute, like I did during the during the, <laughs> um, the no, Halloween one. You, uh, yeah, no, actually, I thought I thought this might actually be more of a challenge than the Halloween thing, seeing as like I'm such a Halloween fan. Um, and generally, most Christmas songs kind of irritate me and drive me a little nuts. So I thought, oh, God, is this going to be painful? But I managed to find some pretty awesome, strange selections. Uh, yep. And then I had to pare down. It was harder to pare down this year. So, yeah, we'll hopefully have to do this again next year because I still have a, a whole uh, load that I would like to do. But oh, we picked 12. It's, it's 12 endless. Of Christmas. Yeah. The first one that I picked uh, kind of jumped out at me uh, is Christmas uh, at Kmart. Um, Root Boy Slim and the Sex Change Band. This is the the first on my list there. It jumped out for me because I had a a grandmother, uh, actually, she worked at Kmart, uh, and her last name was Kay, my my nanny Kay, and she drove a Kay car. And I remember being a a young child at one point, thinking, saying to my mom quite proudly, that, oh, wow, isn't that interesting? She's my KKK grandma. And then I didn't realize why until many years later, my mother was not so uh, amused by this particular association. But yes, she did work at Kmart. She had all kinds of crazy stories about uh, the ongoing, especially around this time of year. And it's just one of these fabulous songs that celebrates, uh, yeah, the sort of uh, shopping uh, hell that we create for ourselves during the holiday season. So yeah, this guy, Root Boy Swim, uh, was born Foster Mackenzie III, grew up in D.C. Uh, he was a bit of like a, a, yeah, kind of famous around the D.C. Maryland er- er- era. Very intelligent guy, very smart guy, but very anti-authoritarian. So he actually, he went to Yale. So, I mean, clearly had the brains. And then he uh, actually pledged, he was in the same fraternity with George W. Bush. <laughs> uh, but he apparently, though, he formed a band with his friend, Prince Lala and the Midnight Creepers. They would come up, come on stage in silver hot pants and fur capes 
and just kind of blow everybody away with their sort of raunchiness and crazy, uh, crazy performances. And basically, uh, yeah, at one point, they had, after he graduated, he came back and performed for his fraternity. And George Bush was the president of the fraternity at that time. And apparently he uh, banned him from ever returning to play for the fraternity again. So, yeah, later on, he went on to form his other band, which was uh, he adopted this character, Root Boy Slim, who's this greasy overweight blues hound who's always under the influence of something and he had his band called the sex change band uh they had the backup singers were known as the rootettes and, and they worked the circuit they became super popular with the student crowd and, and the maryland club scene and then this song christmas at kmart landed them a quarter of a million dollar contract with warner brothers yeah. so they are actually yeah, pretty much a big hit in that, that kind of area um but the dude uh yeah he he apparently at one point had a, a bit of a nervous breakdown he was uh on a very high dose of lsd and um uh, apparently he suffered from schizophrenia and uh, that just triggered something in him. So he had a really bad, um, uh, bad trip. He ended up climbing over the White House fence and was apprehended, apprehended on the lawn by Secret Services. Uh, he claimed that he was looking for the center of the universe and he was promptly sent to a hospital and, and diagnosed. But this is one of those people that definitely walked that, that fine line of, of genius and insanity. All right. Here's uh, Christmas at Kmart. Root Boy Slim and the Six yeah. Change Band. Here we go. Santa, I hear you just got in from San Jose. Got a little trouble out that way. But I got a song that'll pick up your spirits the most. Goes kind of like this. Christmas at Kmart all over the store. Christmas at Kmart, Christmas at Kmart. People are buying just a little bit more. Christmas at Kmart, Christmas at Kmart. So if you're still shopping... With money to spend Christmas at Kmart Christmas at Kmart How about this album by Root Boy Slim Christmas at Kmart Christmas at Kmart The mood ring counter is all aglow Christmas at Kmart Christmas at Kmart When Root Boy starts his Christmas show Christmas at Kmart with Root Boy Slim and the uh, Sex Change Band. 
Uh, while, are you there, Courtney? Yeah, right here. Uh, yeah, yeah. While um, the song was playing, we were talking. I said the only reason I know about Root Boy Slim is because he was in Mr. Mike's Mondo video, which came out, I believe, sometime in the... 77 78 79 something like that when michael o'donohue who is a um is is in the pantheon of of comedy writers for me because he was one of the founders of the national lampoon and also mm-hmm. one, of, one of the first writers for saturday night live he also had a feature called mr mike's Bliss love bedtime tales where um he'll tell a um story and everybody dies at the end um <laughs> it, it always involves everybody dying at the end um or at least the main character um Root Boy Slim was it just for no reason at all, just because Mr. Mike thought he was cool, was in the middle of Mondo video. Um, basically, with the same, you know, with with the uh, with the glasses on. I don't know if they said cool. They said something else. I think they might have said stoned, actually. That's it. He had these big yeah. glasses on that actually said stoned written like right across his face in big 3D <laughs> letters of, of um, styrofoam or something. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's how I knew knew about Root Boy Slim. And that, if you can find Mr. Mike's Mondo video anywhere, get it and watch it. It's it's one of yeah, the yeah. I have to check this out. I, I was looking it up, and ever. there's like other people on it. Uh, it's got like Sid Vicious is in there too. Debbie Harry, Klaus Nomi has an appearance. Like it's just pep. And then of course uh, Saturday Night Live royalty. You got like uh, Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin, Bill Murray's in there. Gilda Radner. So yeah, no, this is on my list to check out for the holidays for sure. Yeah, and then we were saying about how it was. Yeah, it was NBC. But didn't they thought it was like insane, and of course they didn't want to release it. So it, it wasn't until like much later that it was like released. I think by New Line Cinema. But you know who released it onto video it was Mike Nesmith from The Monkees. Oh, okay. Pacific Art Label. So that's the reason why it went to home video. So if you do have a copy, it's uh, thanks to uh, the lovely Mike Nesmith uh, from The Monkees. You know, he essentially founded MTV. Like he was the first one to come up with the concept of a. A, sh- a, st- a station that plays nothing but music videos and he kind of came up with the concept and ran with it and then it, it got bought out by someone else and became mtv but he basically founded mtv M- michael nesmith small- yep small little monkey facts i'm full yeah, yeah. oh wow that- <laughs> because i knew that he had his own company called i no, what was it called i can't remember what the name of his company it was like something video or something productions yeah I actually, a a bunch of, two friends of mine and I wrote a vampire script and sent it to his company one time. (laughs) And so we got a rejection slip, I mean, rejection letter from Michael Nesmith's secretary. (laughs) Uh, I would still frame that. I would still still frame that. A rejection of Michael Nesmith is still, it's still contact. And yeah, no, he, um, he had like a lot of money. His mom invented whiteout. Yeah. She was like a typist and she had like, you know, wanted to find a way to sort of fix these corrections and not have to waste the paper. And so with all her whiteout money that she banked, he used this to create the, these video production uh, companies and just basically, yeah, uh, helping people get these music videos made and then came up with the idea of what, what if we aired nothing but music videos all day long at a station when people love that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very, very interesting cat. Yeah. So yeah. And he also brought us Mr. Mike's Mondo video. So full circle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the next one is uh, is the only, I think, vaguely Halloween Christmas theme thing we have, which is very innocent. It's uh, the Count from Sesame Street um, doing his cover of All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. Um, I don't really know if I want to give any background on the Count from Sesame Street. <laughs> if you grew up with Sesame Street or know what it is, you know who the Count is, you know he likes to count. This is his cover of the old standard, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. <laughs> ah, and now I sing for you a carol from my native Transylvania. Ah, ah, I learned it from my dentist. Uh, hit it, boys. Ah, ah. 
Christmas is my two front my two front see my two front Gee, if I could only have my two front then I could wish you Merry Christmas. It seems so long since I could say a sister Susie sitting on a thistle. Oh gosh, oh gee, how happy I'd be if I could only whistle. All I want for Christmas is my two front My two front to see my two front Gee, if I could only have my two front then I could wish you Merry Christmas. Oh, yes. It seems so long since I could say Sister Susie sitting on a thistle Oh gosh, oh gee, how happy I'd be If I could only whistle And if I could whistle Do you know what song I would whistle? Uh, yes, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth I could wish you merry, 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 merry Christmas. Ha ha! My Mary's one Christmas and two teeth. Okay, that was the count from Sesame Street singing "All I Want for Christmas Is My Two Front Teeth." What is Courtney's next for, uh, pick for the holiday uh, crazy holiday Christmas wacky weird music? Um, um, next uh, on my list, unfortunately, I had I actually also had a, a Halloweeny vampire one, but I cut it from my list. It's uh, Count Floyd from you know the SCTV. Oh character. yeah, yeah, we talked about yeah, this. Yeah, I kind of wish I had left it now because he he did one that was like it's a reggae Christmas in Transylvania, so it's a Christmas reggae Halloween song, which is just a very strange. Uh, yeah, reggae Christmas Eve in Transylvania. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, that didn't make my list this year. I'm going to keep going down my list. My next one was actually Santa Dog by The Residents because I just had to show some looks of The Residents. I actually got of to course. see them uh, just last year. They were, uh, or was it last year or the year before? No, it was last year, and they were touring. They had a Theory of Obscurity, the film about The Residents, so it was a, the first part of the evening was a screening of the movie, and then afterwards it was a performance, which was fabulous. But uh, anyway, this song, I, I stumbled on it, and uh, the, the original song was called Fire. It was released on uh, this 7-inch that was delivered around. It's considered to be like the first official Residence single. They had a full-length album after that, Meet the Residence, but this was like the first thing that was publicly made available. It was publicly made available, but it wasn't really for sale. I guess they basically just mailed it out to a bunch of people. Uh, it was designed to look like a Christmas card from an insurance company. And there's four tracks on this album uh, called Fire, Lightning, Explosion, and Aircraft Damage. So just sort of like, uh, yeah, all these wonderful things that you want to think about around the holidays. So Fire is a song that later on uh, they released several times over the years uh, under the name Santa Dog. And it basically just is a song uh, that repeats the refrain, Santa dogs a Jesus fetus, over and over again. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Sounds like the residents. Of, yeah, exactly. Classic residents. And now it's become a bit of like, it's almost, almost kind of like their, their, their motto or their, one of their, their alma mater. Um, so, yeah, uh, some of the people that they sent it to, they sent copies to Frank Zappa. They even sent a copy to Richard Nixon. And that copy was 
sent back uh, unopened uh, with a, a, the word uh, re- refused stamped on it. So, uh, yeah, they actually did a version that was called uh, Snow, uh, Santa Dog 99 Refused. Uh, they did Santa Dog 78, 84, 88, 92, which is apparently universally sort of looked at as the, the least favorite version. It's 13 minutes, and it's very creepy and weird and uh, unsettling and kind of kind of irritating. Uh, but then they went back <laughs> to the short, shorter versions later on with uh, Santa Dog for Gamelin Orchestra, which is beautiful and surreal. That's probably my favorite. Uh, Santa Dog 2006. And I'm, I have a version I found online that's 2013, but it's just a live performance. I'm not sure if it's an official Santa Dog uh, release. But anyway, just like the, the Doctor Who specials, it apparently is a tradition amongst the resident fans to get new versions of this Santa Dog song. So I will share their tradition with you with uh, Fire from the Residence 1972, the original. Santa dogs at Jesus' feet, Santa dogs at Jesus' feet, Santa dogs at Jesus' feet, there's no presence, there's no presence in the future. In the future. That was the difference between this and the Halloween show. I didn't know how many to pick. We went with 12 because of the, the 12 days of Christmas, but a lot of, most of these are clocking in under two minutes, I find. Yeah, kind of, kind of short ones. Um, I'm not going to go in the order that I sent you my list. I think I'd like to, no, hear, dear. Yeah, I'd like to hear Rubber Claws is coming to town uh, right yeah. now. And I know not, here we go. I tried to do some, right. uh, uh, you know, some research on who these people were and mm-hmm. the artists were, and I found lots on lots of these people. Not too much on Jeff St. Pierre and Philip Antoniadis, who put out an album mm-hmm. of uh, Christmas songs uh, played all on office um, supplies. Rubber bands, staplers, <laughs> rulers, paper, anything they could find in the office. And, That's awesome. I uh, was actually, I wanted to sample, um, we have one of those, um, unfortunately, it's one of those K-cup things, but it has reusable cups, so I don't feel too bad using it, because uh, I don't really like the plastic ones, but it does have this awesome beat when you turn it on, and it's like a, it's very rhythmic, and it uh-huh. has this kind of cool brewing coffee sound, so I, I was like, I need to record that and, and, and play with that a little bit, but staplers, tape, oh my gosh, this, uh, that's, there's, there's probably a lot of fun stuff, even as I said, rubber bands, and uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, the, here's the the <laughs> what I do have is the hype from the um from the cover of the uh, CD off uh, the text off the back. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the world not a creature was stirring except two guys who got locked in a recording recording studio. Bored, pathetic and stupid, they amused they amused themselves all night long entertaining each other with holiday tunes played on items found about the company desks. Performed entirely with rubber bands, rulers, a stapler, a soda can, scissors, paper clips, a hole punch and masking tape. This stocking stuffer is a sure holiday hit. So this is my favorite. Rubber Claws is coming to town. Ends quite abruptly. Uh, rubber Claws is coming to town. Jeff St. Pierre and Philip Antoniadis. Courtney's turn. That's that's amazing. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to check out this whole album now. So, but um, yeah, I'm trying to think what would be a good follow-up to that. Because uh, yeah, I've got uh, my list here. But I think I'm going to go off order too. Yeah. And follow that up with Frosty the Snowman, uh, the Shitty Flute version. Oh, I, I don't know if you're this. aware of, uh, of Shitty Flute or if your listeners are. It's uh, become sort of a viral kind of classic. So- Basically a YouTube channel. Again, so someone else I couldn't find anything else about besides just uh, there's a YouTube account under the name of Shitty Flute. And it's a guy that plays uh, basically a recorder very shittily over <laughs> pop tunes, classical tunes, Christmas tunes, anything. Uh, all hilariously annoying. So he started, yeah, I think in 2015, uh, the, uh, the first track that he did was like an Iggy Azalea song, um, which got about like 26,000 views. And in the coming years, uh, he was doing all, he's doing hundreds and hundreds of videos. And he got up to the point, he's got like over almost a quarter of a million subscribers. Uh, probably the most, most famous, there's versions of AHA's Take On Me, and he does Britney Spears' Toxic. Uh, but this one here is uh, Frosty the Snowman, and it was just released last year, so just in time for the holidays. Frosty the Snowman... Uh, if you didn't think uh, Christmas carols could get more annoying, uh, listen up. They can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Frosty the uh, Shitty Fluted with Frosty the Snowman. Here we go. The, the, I, I have heard this one. This this one's amazing. Yeah. It's amazingly annoying, and you don't know whether to turn away. And I certainly don't want to. Here we go.
Wow, that hurt. Someone got famous for that. Like so, <laughs> someone legit has a career from doing <laughs> these tunes. I think that's just amazing. <laughs> and speaking of someone, I live in a house with with uh, two young kids, and I don't know what it is about the recorder lately. There's been about like four or five birthday presents or birthday parties they've come home from where that was the gift to, 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 to take home. And I just don't know uh, why someone thought that would be a good idea, but that would be basically the afternoon after a birthday party. That's exactly what it sounds like in my house. Uh, <laughs> uh, typically. <laughs> so you get to hear it I live all it. the time. Launch, launch some careers here. Yeah. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Share my pain. <laughs> My next choice, because that was so awful, was a very refined awfulness of the Portsmouth Sinfonia. Uh, people don't know who the Portsmouth Sinfonia was. Is no, I don't think they play anymore. Uh, they were an orchestra founded by a group of students at the Portsmouth School of Art in England in 1970. Um, they were open to anyone and ended up drawing plays that were either people without musical training or, if they were musicians, one that chose to play an instrument that was entirely new to them. In fact, that was the that was the rule for the orchestra. Um, That's actually awesome. Yeah, uh, among the founding members was one of their teachers, English composer Gavin Bryars. Um, They started off as a kind of a one-off tongue-in-cheek performance art ensemble, but soon people liked them so much that they kept going for 10 years. They made concerts, record albums. I think they sold out uh, concerts in London, a film and a hit single. Um, They last performed publicly in 1979. the early the, the earliest album was just all classical repertoire. I think the, I think their first big hit on a single was called Classical Mudley, which was a whole bunch of different classical songs done in a medley. Um, uh, so that they they did these these um, uh, uh, classical like standard classics because so that most of the orchestra members had a big, kind of a rough idea of what the piece or at least parts of it were supposed to sound like, even if they couldn't play their chosen instrument accurately. Um, Interestingly enough, the uh, one the one album there, Portsmouth Symphonia plays the, the the classics was I believe um, uh, was produced by Brian Eno. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, Brian Eno produced that album and he played clarinet on him. I, I know he pl- produced that one and the next two. Um, so this is uh, did he know how to play clarinet or was he kind of joining in the? <laughs> no, no, he. I don't think he knew really how to play it. He just he just took it That's up and. And got you know, and got to the point where he thought he could play some notes at least in in some order, and they came up with um, something that sounds like this. This is, um, I think, it's "Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy" from the Nutcracker, which is which is quite Christmassy. So let's see what this sounds like. Thank you. 
you mean that's all we get? We, we, we don't get more <laughs> than that? <laughs> there is a whole album. I mean, that's from Port, Portsmouth Symphonia Plays, the popular classics, um, the uh, Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy from uh, Nutcracker Suite. Uh, well, I would love to see if, hmm. if people are actually doing a, a, a dance version to that, uh, but people clearly who don't know how to dance. And, and then just somehow bring it all into a Christmas show <laughs> where everybody's sort of improving. That would be my perfect Christmas. I think we better get on it. <laughs> I can't dance to save my life. I want to be in it. Um, oh, no, for sure. We're both of us in, in tutus. And, lo- and lots of makeup so that nobody knows it's me. Um, exactly. Or a Nutcracker costume. We'll get you in the big hat and the, uh, yeah. No. So following that up, geez, it's hard to know where to go from there. I, that was amazing. <laughs> What's well, the only thing I had on my list that could follow up um, uh, Shitty Flute? Yeah, it's true, right? Where to go from there. I'm going to bring it back into something that's got a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, conventionality, some tight lyrics. and Although it's a little, this is cool. You're going to love this one. It's a bit more of a kind of a beat vibe to it. This is Art Kearney and Santa and the Doodly Bop from uh-huh. 1954. So Art Kearney, uh, if you know your classic TV, he was known for playing uh, Ed opposite Jesse Thiessen's Ralph in the sitcom uh, The Honeymooners. Right. And uh, he, did, he did a lot of comedy novelty songs. He did a version of like the 12 Days of Christmas. Uh, and also, I didn't realize this until I did my research, but he was starred, er, starring in one of my favorite Twilight, epi- or Twilight Zone episodes ever. Oh, it's yeah. a Christmas theme one, the, the Night of the Meek. And he's basically an alcoholic department store Santa Claus who transforms into the real thing. Um, I, I was given a uh, early co- compilation of uh, Twilight Zone uh, shows. And this one kind of, uh, it was a, a Christmas special that kind of snuck under the radar. But the same thing, again, one of those bleak, haunted sort of... Uh, very British tradition of, 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 of a scary Christmas story, but it has a redeeming quality in the end. Very, you know, miracle on 34th street in a sense too. You've got your alcoholic Santa Claus, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, it's become sort of a Christmas tradition for me. And this song is just like a, yeah, really jive, hep, cool, deep sort of parody of a, of a Santa Claus uh, story from 1954 called Santa and the doodly bop, which I hope I get for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Once upon a time, there was a little boy named Tommy. One day, he wrote a letter to Santa Claus up in the North Pole and said, Dear Santa, I have been a good little boy all year, so I am writing you now to say, All I want for Christmas is a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop. All I want for Christmas is a doodly-boop, dump diddly doodly-boop. When Santa read the letter, he was very much surprised because he hadn't had anyone ask him for a doodly-boop in a long time. It was the day before Christmas, so into the toy factory, Santa went, looking for a doodly-boop. He looked high, and he looked low. But there wasn't a single doodly-boop in sight. Santa went through the toy factory singing, Has anybody seen a doodly-boop? A doodly-boop, a doodly-boop. Has anybody seen a doodly-boop? Doodly-boop. But none of his helpers knew where there might be a doodly-boop in sight. So Santa went home slowly and sadly, singing, Oh, where, oh, where is a doodly-boop? A doodly-boop, a doodly-boop. Oh, where, oh, where is a doodly-boop? Dump diddly doodly-boop. When Santa came home, Mrs. Santa Claus opened the door and said to him, Santa, you look so tired and unhappy. What's wrong? Santa said, 
Little Tommy asked for a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop. Little Tommy asked for a doodly-boop, dump diddly doodly-boop. But there is none in sight anywhere, and it's almost time for me to deliver my Christmas toys. Why don't you look into the closet, said Mrs. Santa Claus. With a start, Santa jumped up, ran over to the closet, opened the door, and... hundreds of doodly-boops. Picking one up and putting it quickly in his bag, Santa went on his way to deliver his Christmas toys, singing, Little Tommy's gonna get a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop. Little Tommy's gonna get a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop, a doodly-boop. Santa and the Doodly-Boop by Art Carney from 1954. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Not being Whoa. No, I can't stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a toe tapper for sure. What do you got, Greg? What do you got next? I am, since uh, I think we, we can get answers on almost all of these, um, Night Before Christmas by Stan Freeberg. Um, if anybody doesn't know who Stan Freeberg is, he's kind of a minor hero of mine. Um, born August uh, 1926, died April t- 2015. Very recently, I guess I could have met him if I tried. Um, American author, recording artist, voice actor, comedian, radio personality, puppeteer, and advertising Ooh. creative director. Um, started working in 1944. He was born in Pasadena, my hometown, where I was born. I feel really? so proud. Uh, Pasadena, California. Um, and he was active doing um, his work all the way into his late 80s. What most of us... The thing was with Stan Freeberg is everything he did was a parody and some sort of um, making fun of whatever people thought was serious. He made fun of everyone. He, he's a he's got a, a Heartbreak Hotel parody, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. At the end, you know, he, he keeps he keeps saying, "Give me more some more of that echo." Till the echo is so bad you can't even tell what he's saying. Uh, and then he rips his jeans at the end and complains about that. He also here's here's a cool thing about him. He was taking over for Jack Benny's radio show, I guess in the in the fifties sometime. He refused to take alcohol or tobacco ads. Oh wow! In the fifties, admirable. That's ahead of the time. For yeah, sure. yeah. He's all. He was also his voice was used in tons of cartoons. Um, including a bunch of Warner Brother cartoons, he was um, he was actually uh, put opposite Mel Blanc in a lot of uh, different cartoons. He was the voice of Pete Puma, oh, okay. the one that says, "I don't like coffee; it gives me a headache." That was Stan. Mm-hmm. That was Stan <laughs> Freeberg. Um, I knew the name sounded familiar. I watch a lot of the yeah classic uh, cartoon ones, but yeah, I, I think his first big um, kind of comedy hit was John and Marsha. Which I don't know if anybody's mm-hmm. heard that. It's just you know uh, two people saying John, Marsha. I mean, why? why sorry, <laughs> saying saying John, Marsha, John, Marsha, and it's just oh, it goes yeah. on for like five minutes of just different intonations of them just saying mm-hmm. it's, it's just Stan Freeberg playing Marcia. both parts. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that uh, soap opera That's parody a classic, uh, improv game. I think you, you just get like one word that you have to repeat, but you have a yeah. conversation with just one word. Yeah, yeah. Some radio stations actually refuse to play it. Because they thought it was an actual romantic conversation between two real people, <laughs> they were that unhip. So, uh, 1955. Uh, this is the night before Christmas with Stan Freeberg, and let me see who the woman was. A uh, Babette Bain. I do not know who that was. Uh, 
Babette. Babette. That's such a great. That's such a great name too. Nobody names that's a their kid. Of a, yeah. of a classic old name. Nobody names their kid Babette anymore. Babette. Aww. Oh, Babette. Babette. Yeah, oh Babette, oh Stan, oh Babette, oh Stan. Okay, uh, <laughs> hipster, not, uh, hipster beatnik, night before Christmas. Um, Stan Freeberg and Babette Bain. Okay, kiddies, it's Christmas Eve, time for Betty Bye. Look, uh, what's doing? And you hit the sack, huh? All right, Uncle Stan. How about the night before Christmas? Yeah, how about that? I mean the poem. Say it, please. Hump, please. Okay, okay. Uh, Close your eyes, huh? Now, get the picture. I was just here a dark night, see? And there was, uh, you know, like snow. And this house was sitting out there, see? And Mom and I were settling down for a long winter's nap. She in her black denim kerchief and I in my motorcycle cap, see? And uh, there arose these here hooves on the roofs. Oh, hoofs on the roof. I tell you what it was, it was more like a clatter up there. You got the picture? But Uncle Stan, do it from the start like twas the night before. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, close your eyes, huh? Twas the night before, uh, the night before... Christmas. Oh, yeah, Christmas. And all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, right? Right. Okay. Now, the children were snestled all smug in their beds. Well, they weren't exactly snazzled, you know. They were, uh... I tell you, I had these here visions of, you know, like sweet plums. Sugar plums. Look, uh, just close your eyes, huh? Okay, Uncle Stan, but when does the Santa Claus part come? I'm coming to it, I'm coming to it. I get the picture, huh? Remember what I told you about that there roof, rough, what there rose of such a clatter of on there? Remember? Yes. Well, that clatter come from this little bitty sleigh, what was fastened like to these eight tiny deers, what had the deer feets, you know? Uh-huh. Well, this sleigh was drove by a guy what had whiskers, kind of like Mitch Miller, only white. You dig? I dig. His eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. His cheeks, uh... Well, what he had was just her jelly belly. I mean, uh, he was pretty funny, but with that ho-ho-ho and all, and, uh... I had a laugh like in spite of myself, you know. But Uncle Stan. Close your eyes, huh? But the reindeer, you forgot where St. Nick whistled and shouted and called them by name. Oh, okay, well, I'm coming to that. Uh, get the picture, huh? You ready for the name? Yes, yes. You sure you're snestled in your bed? I'm snestled, I'm snestled. Okay, here they come, boy. Now, Dasher. That was his name, see, now, Dasher. Now, Dancer. Now, Prancer. Now, Marilyn. Now, Gina. Hold it. Now, Lola. Hold it. Bridgeta. Uncle Stan. Remember, dear names? It's Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen. Close your eyes, huh? Remember that jelly belly fella I told you about was steering the deers? Yes. Well, he came sliding to his hair fireplace, uh, spread a bunch of toys around, and took off, you know? And, uh, oh, the silly one against the moon there. He looked over his shoulder and uh, he hollered a darling ad lib, which escapes me for the moment. Uncle Stan's asleep, but what St. Nick really said was, Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. Okay, okay, they get the picture. Close your eyes, huh? There we go. <laughs> night before Christmas, Close your eyes. 
Yeah, by Stan Freeberg and Babette Bain. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I guess it's a little more adorable than silly. Well, it is pretty silly. There is a. It's silly, what, though. When I was looking for the. Um, from some more Stan Freeberg, what I found was uh, he also did a parody of the McCarthy hearings. Oh, wow. And it's extremely. Oh, wow. That would have been yeah. very taboo. Yeah. It's extremely <laughs> I think he surreal. Got yeah, they, he just they, up on a list somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> they just start singing "Point of Order, Point of Order, Point of Order," and you know, <laughs> it's it's amazing. Oh, wow. It was so surreal. I bet that you know the the people that should have been upset by it didn't even know what the hell was going on. I, he might have gotten in, in trouble for it. I have no idea, but um, I imagine so. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, as I said. <laughs> anyway, really, that was uh, Stan Freeberg, and your turn now. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was trying to think of something that could kind of uh, follow up with that nicely. So I think I'm going to go with Merry Christmas, You Suckers, the Patty Roberts uh, novelty song. Again, like I, I find there's there's so many Christmas songs, and, and they're just, they're, they're obvious parodies. You know, the Santa got, or the grandma got run over by a reindeer, the very hokey sort of like obvious ones. But there, but there is a fine tradition of some like straight up, you know, they, they are a novelty song. They're attempting to be comedic, but, um, but they're not quite as cheesy. They've aged very well, and this would be one of them. So Patty Roberts, uh, he was a British recording ar- uh, artist. Uh, he was born in South Africa, actually, but he grew up in uh, and, 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 and lived in uh, Devon in uh, England. And he did very, like, risque, uh, humorous tracks, again, about, like, various subject matters that were, you know, um, um, uh, frequent or, you know, of the time. So, um, yeah, he, he turned to comedy. Before music, he was actually, he had been a lawyer, and he was actually a fighter pilot during World War II. And so after all that seriousness, uh, in the 50s and 60s, he turned to doing these sort of like novelty comedy records. And this one, again, I just, I love my jaded, bitter, uh, you know, it's all humbug uh, kind of Christmas songs. They actually do put a smile on my face. So it's a fine tradition of humbuggers. <laughs> okay, so here's... Merry Christmas, you suckers. Merry Christmas, you suckers. 1962. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you suckers, you miserable men. That old festive season is with you again. You'll be spending your money on cartloads of junk. And from here to New Year, you'll be drunk as a skunk. Merry Christmas, you suckers, it's perfectly clear that you fall for it all a bit sooner each year. If it goes on like this, you will find pretty soon you're singing White Christmas as early as June. This Christmas card racket will cost you a packet each season, it seems to expand. The cards are so clever, though nothing whatever to do with the subject in hand. You'll be taking the kids round the multiple stores to be frightened to death by some old Santa Claus. Then it's parties with spirits and vino and beer. Merry Christmas, you suckers, and a happy new year. Merry Christmas, you suckers, you bleary-eyed lot. You'll never get rid of that headache you've got. But I hope you feel splendid, you certainly should. With your stomachs distended with turkey and pud. Merry Christmas, you suckers, jump into your cars. Roar off to your neighbors to sink a few jars. Though your vision is double, just keep smiling through. There are others in trouble. 
trouble a lot worse than you Beyond any question Acute indigestion will plague you And make you unwell You won't take the warning You'll wake up each morning Undoubtedly feeling like hell But stick to it suckers Go swallow a pill For this is the season of peace and goodwill While we patiently wait for that nuclear blast <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas, you suckers It may be your last just kiss. So just kiss my ass Courtney, you there? Yeah, right here oh, Okay Nice to end on that little nuclear note, too, because, again, it aged terribly well, eerily so. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know what to follow that up with. I, I guess I can – I guess Homer and Jethro, because it's about the same period, I would believe. Um, Homer and Jethro is – you know what? When I started looking them up, I knew who they were, but I didn't know the background. Yeah, you had sent me some of their stuff. Uh, I have on my, one of my earlier compilations by you, some Homer and Jethro. yeah. They do, um, they do a lot. They have, they have a pretty huge output of novelty stuff. And I had it on my list as well that I took off because I was at 13 and I needed to trim the fat. And uh, when I saw you had one, I took off mine, which was uh, Santa Claus is with the Hippie, I believe the title of mine. was the first hippie. <laughs> one that got the X. But you went with one that is actually, it, it, it's a kind of a, I don't think it's their song. So they're doing a rendition of what yeah, it's a, a, cover. a classic sort of novelty song. The original I had on my um YouTube playlist, which we could publish a link to. I think it's uh, called Coco. Yeah, Coco's Holly Jollies. Yeah. Um, but I have a version of uh, yeah. I'm gonna get nothing for Christmas, and it was like a six year old boy who's just singing, and it's quite adorable because he's six years old and he's singing in his little voice. But uh, their version is, uh, I guess, some sort of perverted take on the uh, <laughs> the beloved yeah. classic as sung by a child. Yeah. Well, it's the parents singing, I believe, or or relatives oh, or something. Okay. Yeah. Homer and Jethro. I to check theirs out, but yeah. Okay. Cool. Stage names of American American country music duo Henry D. Homer Haynes and J- Kenneth C. Jethro Burns, popular from the 40s through the 60s. And they were on radio and television. All their songs were satirical. Um, they were like old Weird Al guys, except country, yeah. of popular yeah. songs. Known as the Thinking Man's Hillbillies. <laughs> yes. They received a Grammy in 1959 and are in wow. the country, yeah, country music hall of fame. Here's another wow. weird thing about them, which totally freaked me out. Both were established jazz musicians and deeply influenced by the European gypsy string jag- jazz of Django Reinhardt. Wow! Now that's that's no hat, cowboy hats off to those two then, because that's uh, as I said, I've, I've heard the novelty songs are quite humorous, but that's uh, that gives them added depth, I think. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So here's uh, uh underneath all all of this silliness were some extremely serious musicians. Actually the best parody musicians are serious, very accomplished musicians because if you don't know what you're doing, you can't be start, mm-hmm. you can't be silly as well. Um Yeah. You can be yeah. stupid. You have to know you the can't... rules before you can break the right, rules. Exactly. I mean, that's just the, you know, the cornerstone of jazz itself. Right. I wonder if they actually had like, you know, uh, some serious recordings that they've done under like different names. Maybe this was sort of like a, a little uh, uh, outlet to blow off their sort of creative steam or or, or frustration. Well, it was having yeah. a little fun with it. Yeah, it was their main. It was their main act, but they did. I think they yeah. did do some serious, a um, uh, couple of serious records, or at least played on serious records um, uh, under their you know regular names of uh, Henry Haynes and uh, Kenneth Burns. Ken Burns. Yeah. 
Ken Burns, right? <laughs> <laughs> so here's uh, Nothing for Christmas by Homer and Jethro. Johnny is a little brat. I'm a gonna tan his hide. Well, he darn near ruined our pussy cat. I'm a gonna tan his hide. Before the cat could shift her gears, Johnny grabbed Grandma's pink and shears and he cut her tail off behind her ears. I'm a gonna tan his hide. Oh, he's a getting nothing for Christmas. He's a getting nothing, you bet. Nothing's too good for our Johnny, and that's what he's gonna get. One night I took him out to dine I'm a-gonna tan his hide His table manners weren't so fine I'm a-gonna tan his hide Mashing taters with his toes Pouring gravy on my clothes And a-shoving string beans up my nose I'm a-gonna tan his hide Oh, he's a-getting nothing for Christmas He's a-getting nothing, you bet That's what he's gonna get. It's Django Reinhardt. Listen to that. I set Johnny on my knees. I'm gonna tan his hide. Well, I told him about the birds and bees. I'm gonna tan his hide. Soon my brain was in a whirl, and my hair began to curl, cause he told me about boys and girls. I'm gonna tan his hide. So you better be good whatever you do, cause if you're bad, I'm a warning you. Johnny boy, if you ain't good, I'm gonna tell Santa Claus you're a midget. And you'll get nothing for Christmas. There we go. Homer and Jethro with Nothing for Christmas. Uh, a parody of a silly song. Making fun of that's a song that was silly in the first place. Now that's awesome. Uh, that's like what they call that. It's like a call and uh, answer song. Yeah, an answer there's song. There's like a yeah. huge history of that where people would put out, like there was the girls that did. Um, it was like my boyfriend's back, but then the, someone made a de- another song, which was just basically like you can have them anyway. It was kind of a thing where people would have a successful song and people would make a parody. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Basically answering whatever uh, kind of question or statement that they've made. So it feels like a little bit. Of oh yeah, there's there's tons of those. I've played them on the show before. Some of the you know back and forth and uh, answer songs and um, there's some great ones. There's some that surpass the greatness of the original. Yeah, indeed, yeah. And it was kind of like the original call-out. Like, I know now in, like, you know, especially hip-hop tradition, there's, like, a huge thing right. with this song, the call-out song. But, like, that's kind of where it originated from. People would put out a song, and then someone would just, like, basically, without warning, come out and just challenge you on, on the airwaves by saying, like, hey, you know, you're saying this. Well, guess what I have to say in response to that? So, yeah, yeah. I do like the whole call-response thing. Well, since Johnny was such a bad boy, I think we should now probably get to my Krampus song that I picked. <laughs> I, I knew I wanted a Krampus song. Um, it, it's funny though. Like I had heard about Krampus several years ago, 
but it's really taken off in popularity. It's, it's having this whole sort of renaissance period in the States. It's been heavily adopted. There's Krampus parties in L.A. Uh, the, the parades that they have uh, in the Eastern European areas have just become like a, a tourist destination now. In fact, it's, it's on my bucket list of uh, I, I want to spend at least one Christmas going to the, the Krampus parade. So, I mean, I, I don't really feel like I have to get into the history of Krampus. It's pretty well, pretty common fare at this point. It's the half-goat, half-demon uh, sidekick Santa uh, that comes from sort of Eastern uh, European uh, regions. And, yeah, basically, if you were good, Santa's going to bring you some treats. And if you're bad, Krampus is going to come and uh, put you in a sack and beat you with reeds. So, yeah, the song that I found is called Krampus Christmas. Uh, it's by an L.A. artist, actually. Well, actually, actually, Huizenga. Uh, now, I've not, not really heard of this girl, but apparently she's like a bit of a viral sensation. And this song uh, around 2007 or 2009 became just this huge viral hit for her. She released a version of it, I think, like in, yeah, in 2014, a couple years ago. Um, it's a lot darker. It's a bit more of like a Christmas metal song. It's, it's good. It's clearly got a higher budget for the video and for the post-production. But I kind of like this one. She's well known for doing these sort of like 80s analog, very lo-fi, uh, homemade type um, uh, music videos and songs. It's all got a bit of an 80s kind of quality in the, in, in the music. And uh, apparently quite sexual uh, in the lyrics of a lot, a lot of her traditional stuff. But in this one, she's just sort of dressed the Krampus and, and just uh, kind of, yeah, giving us a, a, a nice catchy earworm uh, for the holidays. So this is Krampus Christmas by Actually Huizenga from 2007. Here comes Krampus, here comes Krampus, yeah, 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 yeah. Here comes Krampus, here comes Krampus, yeah, 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 yeah. He will put you in a barrel, hit you with his sticks. <laughs> Ended rather abruptly. Abruptly. Yeah. <laughs> Krampus yeah, Christmas. Yeah, what I understand, she, she's just a multimedia artist. She just does all her videos and, and, and all her audio and, and everything just sort of on her own and, and, and apparently has like nine projects ongoing at any given time. So yeah, I think she kind of turns them out and posts them fairly rapidly. But she's, as I said, she's, she's worked with a lot of people. She's got kind of cult uh, street cred. And um, yeah, I was saying to you, we were wondering about a follow-up. Uh, but I was reading in an in interview for uh, a Vice magazine, I believe, and she was saying that two of her biggest influences were Dario Agenta and uh, Mae West. Uh, so she likes to keep it sort of like tongue-in-cheek and humorous and a bit sexy and sassy. So 
you have a Mae West one on your list. Yes, this is um, this is from Mae West's frightening period of dotage in the 1950s, I believe, <laughs> um, when she used to be best friends with Criswell, who opens the show oh, every week. Yes. They were buddies. I actually have a, I don't know where I found it online, but there's a, it look, I think it's an old science fiction uh, magazine. And on the mm-hmm. front is a picture of Mae West and Criswell in um, an astronaut outfit standing on the moon because she has a song that about. Be, oh, that should, that should be one of your t-shirts. You were asking me about t-shirt designs. Oh, day, yeah. But I, I think that image, that image alone, I, w- I would pay money for that shirt. <laughs> yeah, actually, it just says science fiction something or other, uh, May West Criswell Moon Trip. <laughs> because uh, one, of her, one of her songs, she wrote a song called Criswell Predicts. Mm-hmm. And in the song, I think she predicted uh, her being president, her and Criswell would go to the moon together. So, oh, wow. So that was that's, an that's illustration the, of that. Yeah. Uh, so this the alternate reality I want to live in. That, me too. That is, that is, <laughs> I will take that over. The current climate any day. Um, yeah. The so this period of dotage. Yes. She, um, this is probably the same period as, oh, what was the, when she was in Myra Breckenridge, uh, <laughs> the one with Rex Reed playing Myra Breckenridge. Anyway, this is um, Merry Christmas, baby, May West. And did I get the, the year for it? I probably didn't. No, I didn't. But it doesn't matter because it's May West. Merry Christmas, yeah. baby. Timely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Christmas, pretty baby, you sure did treat me nice. Merry Christmas, pretty baby, ah, you sure did treat me nice. You brought me a diamond ring for Christmas, now I'm living in paradise. Oh, I'm feeling fine, got some music on my radio, yeah. Music on my radio And I would love to kiss you pretty baby Why don't we go and find a mistletoe Oh, oh, I'd love to kiss you baby Like I always say A man under the mistletoe is worth two under the tree Just about half past three And all his hugging and his kissing Can't you save it for me? A Merry Christmas, pretty baby You sure did treat me nice You brought me a diamond ring for Christmas Now I'm living in paradise There was Mae West with Merry Christmas, Baby, and it is Courtney's turn. All right. So I'm down to my last four, I guess. I will choose wisely. Um, Well, we were talking about, you know, the audio quality and her um, carrying of a tune and whatnot. Um, If you thought that was hell, uh, my next one is Jingle Cat's White Christmas in Hell. This was a a lovely YouTube remix that I found. 
Um, basically, someone took, oh, I mean, I, as a child of the 80s and 90s, I'm well familiar with the, the Jingle Cats uh, phenomenon. Um, if you're a little bit younger listening to the show, uh, Jingle Cats was this thing that happened around the 90s. Some guy named uh, Mike Spala created um, a whole musical um, catalog of uh, classics as done by uh, the meows and, and various sounds made by his cats. He had the, Chris, the Jingle Cats, and then apparently he followed that up with Jingle Dogs. And even a few years later, he attempted a project which was called Jingle Baby, where he takes the baby. And at that point, Billboard was like, I, I think you can't hit a wall. I think you've beaten that that horse uh, to death. But uh, but the Jingle Cats phenomenon was huge. And uh, yeah, it was the number number one most requested song uh, for like, you know, the years in like 93, 94, uh, sold like, you know, a bajillion copies. Um, and featured a thousand meows, screeches, and growls assembled to twelve or sorry to twenty uh, classic Christmas melodies. Um, apparently, the thing was so hilarious that there was actually reports of people who got into car crashes from listening to this song on the radio, finding themselves in a fit of laughter. Now it's the thing that just basically annoys anyone that's from that era. I mean, as soon as I hear Jingle Cats, it, 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 please change the channel. But um, someone on YouTube uh, wonderfully went and take, took this classic and uh, just basically put the whole thing backwards. I don't even know if we have to really play the whole thing, Greg, because it really is uh, uh, hellish <laughs> to listen to for a long period of time. Um, but it is. We'll, we'll fade it when. Yeah, we'll fade it when one of us can't take it anymore. I was going to say so this is going to be uh, yeah a standoff, a, a, a jingle cat standoff. Um, to see uh, how long we can take the backwards kneeling. But uh, this was from Cogworks on YouTube, and this is a backwards version of the Jingle Cats performing White Christmas, entitled White Christmas in Hell. (laughs) (laughs) Positively satanic, right? Lasted over a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I better pick something to follow this up. Everyone's gonna say you pretty much have to fucking change the pace at this point, or we're gonna lose people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> let me let me fade down the White Christmas in Hell by the Jingle Cat. <laughs> that is something you should be playing during a Halloween party. So I think we yeah. did. We did manage I to get the spectacle. I, I I had to throw it in there because just my God. But <laughs> I don't think I want to put anyone through the entirety. If you would like to see it, it is as I said, Cogworks on YouTube. It is entirely available for your perusal. But um, yeah, that is uh, again. If you thought the original was annoying <laughs> or disturbing, it can get worse. <laughs> Go for it. 
Actually, I think that's better. I mean, it's kind of a relief after what the original. It does, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There is a mashup artist called Mojo Chronic. I do not know who it is. I couldn't find anything mm-hmm. on him or her or whoever it is who has done a whole bunch of great Christmas uh, mashups. One of them was, um, which I've played for years, which I love. It's called uh, uh, Yuletide Zeppelin. Ooh, it actually, it sounds nice. like, I'll play a tiny little bit of it. But it it's amazing what he does, or she, or whatever. Well, stuff like that. Anyway, yeah. I, I found out that um, this artist has done a bunch of other Christmas songs and mashups. This one, it's got to be probably my second favorite of his, uh, him, her, or whoever's mashups called Rudolph, You Don't Have to Put on the Red Light. No. It's a mashup of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Roxanne. Yes. So let's uh, let's see what uh, Mojo Chronic did with uh, R- Rudolph the Red-Nosed no, Reindeer. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> he's, he's got a shiny nose. Shiny? I'd even say it glows.
Uh, how was that? You basically, you, you, if you're at a party and you divide the room into two groups, and one group is Roxanne, every time he says Roxanne, you take a drink, and the other group is uh, put on the red light. And apparently no one's ever finished the game, but <laughs> <laughs> I imagine at your staff Christmas party, this could be, uh, this could be some fun. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, what am I going to follow that up with? Something unorthodox. Um, I found this, and it's another one too. Like there, there are these things I find on YouTube that are, there's, you can't really find out much about them. This is a group called the Christmas Ch- Chives, the Christmas Chids. Uh, it's basically a group that, uh, a friends, I think they're all just basically like, you know, uh, home composers. There, there's really nothing published about them. I've got Colin Swinney, formerly of the sounds, uh, the soundtestroom.com and his friends get together each year to write down drunken Christmas carols as the Christmas Chids. Uh, sounds like tons of fun, and it must be because they've done this for 11 years now. And that was as of 2011, so it's, it's been a few years even since then. Uh, I've got another guy, Kyle Benton, does some vocals on, on this particular track. But other than that, it's, it's pretty secretive who the members are. But this is called Christmas Helmet by the Christmas Chids. This isn't a traditional song in the least, but um, I think it should be. I think uh, safety should come first. Okay. Let's see what you guys think of it. <laughs> Christmas Helmet by the Christmas Chids, not kids. I would say chids. chids. Christmas helmet by the Christmas Chids. Which, chids, I would say Chids. Yeah. yeah. And I was just saying to Greg that there's probably a reason subconsciously I picked this uh, particular track. It just dawned on me upon hearing it again that, uh, yeah, no, I've actually had a Christmas tree fall on my head. Uh, three particular uh, incidents. One on the, or two times, sorry, on the same Christmas. It was actually uh, on a Christmas Eve 
my, my, my folks have, have this thing where they, they love to get the biggest possible damn tree that they can. Uh, we have a bit of an apex situation going on with the ceiling in the room that they put it in. So they, they go for like a 12-footer. It's, it's usually, usually pretty, or sorry, no, an 8-footer, I should say. Uh, yeah, so an 8-foot uh, tall Christmas tree. And one particular Christmas, it fell on me on Christmas Eve. Uh, kind of veered off uh, to the left while I was sitting down in a chair. And the next day just kind of came straight ahead at me. Um, I don't know why they didn't tie it up after the first time it fell, but yeah, it was, it was Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. And then years later, the, after many years of tying up our Christmas tree to the ceiling, so such a thing didn't happen again, they neglected to do it a particular year. And once again, it came crashing down on, on yours truly. So yeah, no, I, apparently I do need a Christmas helmet because I am uh, a tree magnet. You keep getting attacked Fun by factor. trees. It was an old. Yeah. Um, it, w- it was a sketch on Saturday Night Live a long time ago with with uh, killer trees. Oh yeah? yeah, I know the one because um, I'm from Nova Scotia, and there's the film uh, Tree Venge. It's, oh, that's um, right. Jason Jason Eisner. He's the guy who did like Hobo with a Hobo with a Shotgun. Yeah, uh, he's from my my hood. Uh, I actually I actually worked on a, a student project with him back in the day. But yeah, he has a whole uh, Tree Venge thing too. Same thing, but a, a little more gory. His version, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but fabulous. If you want to see, uh, yeah, some, some early uh, Eisner, I recommend that one around the holiday season. Okay. Uh, They're vicious, those trees. They, <laughs> and they deserve it. They deserve their revenge. Yes. Know. Yes, they do. Them and pumpkins. Uh, the next... Yes. <laughs> the next... Uh, you know that pumpkin I had out for uh, Halloween when we did the Halloween show? It's still out yeah. there. Oh, yes. Oh, nice. You I can't... It's probably... If I pick it up, it'll probably fall apart. It's going to be scary. Um... Yogi Jorgensen did many, many Christmas uh, songs uh, as a, a Swedish-American person. Uh, he actually was Swedish-American, or actually Norwegian-American. Um, his real name was Henry, Henry Edward Scarbo. Uh, ah. He was born in Tacoma, Washington in what? I don't have his birth date. Anyway, um uh, 1908, I believe. So it was uh, very okay. early 20th century. Um, he worked as an announcer, a weather reporter, newsman, and banjo player on KVI radio station in Tacoma. Uh, <laughs> at that point, and when he was working at the radio station, he developed his character of Yogi Jorgensen um, mm-hmm. uh, from 1932 to 1937. Then he b- began forming a, performing comedy routine as, Yo- as Yogi in nightclubs. He was originally a Hindu, Hindu mystic from Stockholm, um, but in time, his crystal ball act was abandoned in favor of more homespun humor. Um, uh, kind of an earlier uh, Carla Pandit, in a way. Yeah, kind sort of. of an early, I guess early but, mystical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was a, he was a, he was making fun of uh, of uh, fake mystics. Um, he yeah. never, he tried to make uh, Yogi Orgeson more intelligent than the stereotype of the na- the naive rubes that other Scandinavian dialect comedians were using. Um, uh, it was just uh, crap, crap on the Swede season back in the turn of the century. I guess they were a target. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, so in in the early forties, after he got out of the army, I believe uh, was he in the army? No, no, he was he was in the, he was, I think he was too old. He was on the production staff for the radio uh, radio station in the forties because he was, he would have been almost in his forties, too old to be um, uh, recruited. Luckily. Um, uh, so he started. He he uh, started uh, putting out records, and Capitol Records noticed him and uh, signed a contract. So his first his first single for Capitol was um, 
I just go nuts at Christmas hat <laughs> uh, backed with yingle, yingle bells. Um, advance orders came in from all around the nation and Capitol announced they had a hit on their hands. Um, it debuted at number 10 on uh, December 10th at number 24th. Uh, at number 24, the following week, both sides were in the top 20. And the week before Christmas saw both sides of the single in the top 10. Um, Right after Christmas, Ayosko Nuts at Christmas reached number five, and the single became one of Capitol's permanent hits, being released virtually every year. This is a very, not a very, but this is an untypical Yogi Orgeson. He doesn't even really do the um, the, the heavy uh, Scandinavian accent, uh, but it's, uh, it's a uh, parody of Jingle Bells called Rusty Chevrolet. Uh, mm-hmm. I have played it before, but uh, not in a while. So this is Yogi not being Yogi, but singing about his rusty Chevrolet. And basically, um, his character was like a Midwestern Swedish guy. So he still sings about being in the Midwest and some of the things there. So here we go. Rusty Chevrolet by Yogi Jorgensen. Yogi Jorgensen. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> come on, come on. Come on, you can do it. All right. Dashing through the snow in my rusty Chevrolet Down the road I go, sliding all the way I need new piston rings, I need some new snow tires My car is held together by a piece of chicken wire Oh, rust and smoke, the heater's broke, the door just flew away I light a match to see the dash, and then I start to pray The frame is bent, the muffler went, the radio, it's okay Oh, what fun it is to drive this rusty Chevrolet I went to the IGA to get some Christmas cheer I just passed up my left front tire and it's getting hard to steer Skidding down the highway, right past the Nagani cops I had to drag my swampers to get the car to stop Oh, rust and smoke, the heaters broke, the door just flew away I light a match to see the dash and then I start to pray The frame is bent, the muffler went, the radio, it's okay Oh, what fun it is to drive this rusty Chevrolet In a big blue cloud of smoke People laugh as I drive by I wonder what's the joke I got to get to Shopko To pick up the layaway Cause Santa Claus is coming soon In his big old rusty sleigh Oh, rust and smoke The heaters broke The door just blew away I light a match to see the dash And then I start to pray The frame is bent The muffler went The radio, it's okay Oh, what fun it is to drive this rusty Chevrolet. Rust and smoke, the heaters broke, the door just blew away. I light a match to see the dash, and I start to pray. Frame is bent. There we go. Yogi Orgeson with the rusty Yogi. Chevrolet. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I have a song that um, I took off my list, but I just decided to throw it back on because uh, we're going international. 
uh, and novelty parodies. Uh, I had this one that I thought was uh, quite adorable. As, as someone who's dating an Italian, I had never heard of this before. Uh, this is Dominic the Italian Christmas Donkey. Uh, novelty song done by this guy, Lou Monti, in 1960. He was an Italian-American, but he did, that was his bread and butter. Just these Italian-themed novelty songs, kind of make, kind of making fun, but kind of having a little bit of, uh, of, of fun with it at the same time. So this one, basically, he was like, the terrain uh, would be, you know, ridiculous for Santa, so he's got to ride a donkey instead of his traditional sleigh just to get around the, the, the crazy hills and, and landscape of Italy. So, yeah, it's, it's just catchy and fun, and, and yeah, come on. It's a, it's a donkey hee-haw in a, in a Christmas song. I've never heard That'd this one. I am, I am, I am excited. Here we go. <laughs> hey, jingity jing, it's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. La 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 Santa's got a little friend, his name is Dominic The cutest little donkey, you'll never see him kick When Santa visits his paisans with Dominic, he'll be Because the reindeer cannot climb the hills of Italy Hey, jingity-jing, it's Dominic the donkey Jingity-jing, the Italian Christmas donkey La, 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 la Bells around the street and presents on the sled. Hey, look at the maze derby on top of Dominic's head. A pair of shoes for Louie and a dress for Josephine. The label on the inside says they're made in Brooklyn. Hey, jingity jing, it's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. La 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 la. Children sing and clap their hands and Dominic starts to dance. They talk Italian to him and he even understands. Kumaras and Kumbaras do they dance a darandel. When Chandra comes to town and brings Ujucharil. Hey, jingity jing, it's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. La 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 la. That was bloody delightful. Yeah, mamma mia. No, <laughs> fabulous. No, I just like the idea of like, you know, those various like Christmas traditions around the world, how they're subtly different. I was trying to like look, do a little quick research and, and, and look up some of Santa's other rides because, you know, you know, the, the reindeer, of course. But uh, yeah, apparently in Italy, it can be a donkey. Uh, there's the, the German version of Santa, Odin, apparently rides a, an eight-legged horse named Sleeter, um, which is just a trippy image uh, that, I, that I'm that i glad I found out about. And then, of course, like, yeah, your Nordic, uh, St. Nicholas, he rides a goat, 
And again, accompanied by our man uh, with the stick and the bag, Mr. Krampus. So yeah, no, uh, Santa gets around in a lot of different ways. I, I want paintings the of these things. I want very elaborate bl- uh, black velvet paintings of these things. Oh, yes. Done. <laughs> Commission accepted. <laughs> I played this for you the other day The uh, from TV Funhouse. I post this every year on my Facebook feed. Tingles the Christmas tension. It is based on it, and this is you know, it's from TV Funhouse, which was a short-lived series by Robert Smeagol, who's the man behind such characters as Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, who was actually on TV Funhouse a few times. I believe I've seen an interview with Smeagol where he said he grew up in Chicago, or one of the people he worked with grew up in Chicago. There was a... Um, uh, sh- a local television station would produce these stop motion animations for kids. And one of them was called um, uh, Hard Rock, Coco and Joe. And <laughs> it's, and you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Hard Rock, Coco and Joe. It's the exact same song, I mean, exact same tune, but they changed the lyrics and then they made their own stop motion anim- animation of a character that basically comes around every Christmas and makes everybody cranky and pissed off. So, Oh man. Yep. <laughs> So here, here's in here. <laughs> yeah, here's Tingles the Christmas Tension from by uh, Robert Smeagol and Company from TV Funhouse. Now listen, my children, and you shall hear of someone who brings certain feelings once a year. It happens each winter. You'll hear his name mentioned. Tingles the Christmas Tension. Yo, the ideal deal. Awkwardness and anxiety Yeedling doo deedle deedle tension I'm Tingles, the Christmas tension Now Tingles appears on the 23rd Disguised as a phone bill, your home he's entered He leaps out from hiding up into the air Sprinkling tension dust round everywhere a dash can make daddy a walking time bomb. He'll fly off the handle and yell at your mom. A snitchy for mom when dad wants to snuggle. Can make you type sex quite a struggle. Tingles is there at the office celebration. Inflating reminders of last night's frustration. When dad sees an intern that he's never noticed. Joe from Sales says, I'd sure like to fill all her quotas. And then for you know it, oh Christmas is here. Relatives gather, drink, and look severe. And you kids may wonder sometimes when you play why your parents can't take it around Christmas Day. It's all thanks to Tingles and his merry bag of dreams that turns whispers into screams. On Grandma, on Grandpa, on Drunk Uncle Otto, on Cousin Kate with her little out-of-wedlock mulatto. I'm Tingles, the Christmas tension. Oh, you let your kids do that, says old Auntie Rose. And Mom's mother-in-law looks down her nose. Now you children, so happy and bouncing with glee. Are it for surprises from your family? Now Christmas is over, but kids, don't you fear? Tingles will be back spreading his vibes next year. He must make his way so we can all give attention. Two mopals the day after Christmas depression. Yo, yo, doodle, doodle, dent. Empty 
emptiness and disappointment. Yodely tingles and morphles do. Scoobly, scoobly, scoob. Wow, I love that song. Yeah, that is a new favorite. I love that. As you were saying, too, you really got to check out the video, I think, for the full impact. But uh, no, I am, I'm definitely putting that on my list of further readings for this, uh, this assignment. So, yeah, I got to follow that up with a, with a bleak one, too, I would, I would say. Um, got three on my list uh, left. But uh, Santa, uh, Santa came in on a nuclear missile but by Heather Noel. Would probably be the one I have to pick next. Um, this is from a compilation album, American Song Poem, uh, Song Poem Christmas. Daddy is Santa, really six foot four. So uh, another one. Again, looking into this, um, I can't find out anything about Heather Noel uh, because she uh, was apparently uh, played victim to the '70s scam of the poem song. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about this. Did you know about this? Yes, yeah, song, song poems is a is a yeah. it was it is a um it is a, it they are deep in my soul. Okay, okay. I, I, I had no idea. And they are very much celebrated in, in, in the realm of outsider art. Mm-hmm. So basically, it was, it was a kind of a scam that was run through the 70s, uh, you know, I mean, uh, roughly. Um, so you were invited to submit your wonderful lyrics to, to a song to these recording companies. And if they were selected, which often most of them were, um, they would be, you know, laid down and properly uh, on, on a track with professional recording artists for a small fee. And for this small fee, you would get a copy of your song, and they promised to submit it to radio stations around, and if it potentially became a big hit, you could, you know, be rolling in the money. And so basically what happened, um, they basically just, you know, uh, would take all the money that was coming in, um, kind of just do these really low effort, oftentimes done in one one take. I, I read about one example where it was actually a recording company, and they literally released hundreds of people's different lyrics from coming from all around the country to the same musical track. They just reuse the same musical track over and over again and just put whoever's lyrics as sung by whoever they could find that day in the parking lot or whoever was hanging around the studio, lay it over the track and, and this would be released. You'd get your copy and think that you might be going places, but these things were not taken seriously in the professional world of music recordings and, and were just sort of like tossed aside. However, there are some people that went to collecting these things. They were done very limited releases, so they're very much collector's items. And yeah, they, they, they've released compilation albums with people with their various, uh, you know, anonymous uh, sort of random uh, poetry from people across the country uh, set to music by, as I said, whoever was available in the studio that day. This one is sung uh, by a lady, Heather Knoll. I have nothing on her as, as far as an artist. Clearly not the person who wrote the song, but the uh, things that these people would write about were sort of a play on the actual tensions and, and issues of the day. And this one was Santa came in on a nuclear missile. So, yeah, probably I would say more 60s and 70s. Uh, but this this was a phenomenon that I had never heard about and really want to check out a few more. <laughs> They're gold. This is this is some amateur gold. Okay, here it is. Heather Noel, okay. Santa came in on a nuclear missile. Great beginning. Oh, yeah.
I, I didn't know it was going to end so quick. It started fading out really yeah. fast. Yeah. Well, as I said, these things were done kind of one take and, and very minimal uh, sort of effort put into the whole, the whole composition. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure they just hit record and eventually it was like looking at the clock. Okay, tick, tick, I think we're done. Let's just wrap this up. So, yeah, yeah that is the, the epic uh, story of the song poem. And apparently, I don't know, have you seen, there's a documentary about this? I have to look it up. It's called Off the Charts, the song yeah. poem story. Yeah. It's from 2003, like a PBS thing that aired in the States. But I, I, I'm fascinated. I had no idea about this. But um, it's a very, no, it's, it's, it's a very interesting kind of phenomenon. Let's just kind of ride on the backs of people who uh, have these, like, great aspirations. But, uh, yeah, at least you got your own little copy of the album, though. That would, that would be worth the money for me. Just write some random shit and just get like, like hey, we put your words and this is what we did with it. But I'm an optimist. I, I wouldn't feel too jaded about it. <laughs> there are actually stars of song poems. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I was going to say, you know about it. Uh, who are, what are your some of your favorite song poems? There is a whole genre of um, flying saucer and UFO songs done from song poems. Um, oh, wow. Because a lot of people wrote in with their UFO flying saucer songs that they wanted recorded. Yeah. Um, uh, one of them is uh, The Martian Band, I think. Um, what was his name? Rod something. I can't remember the guy's name, but he he recorded at least two or three UFO uh, themed song poems, and he he was he worked for one of these companies in L.A. that did that did the uh, song poems. Um, he was like there. It was one of the places that weren't so cheap because they actually had staff orchestras or bands and vocalists, and some of the vocalists kept getting you know called back because they because they did a good job, or at least for that company. Um. I, I believe there's probably even a book or two about it, at least one about uh, the whole song poem, uh, not movement, but uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And what I couldn't find out, because it talks a lot about how it kind of took off, and as I said, it was sort of like 60s, 70s, but uh, did they get busted, or, or what happened with that? Why did it end? Because that's, that's the one question I had that I didn't really find a satisfactory answer to in my in my quick researches. Today, I could make uh, something up. Yeah, I could make something up, but I don't know why it ended. I don't know if it yeah. just went out of fashion or it just became yeah, too, possible. you know, people just caught on to it being a ripoff or the people that weren't ripping people off actually couldn't make enough money because they couldn't charge yeah. it. You know, they couldn't charge enough to pay all the, you know, the musicians and the singers and all that. Yeah. This idea of like a bunch of people getting together, like all the people who wrote in and, and, and all of their songs have the exact same musical track, like those people getting together and showing up angrily. At a studio, I, I would like to picture that's how how it went down. But who knows? It's, it's, it could very well just be a, a trend thing, and, and it just went out of fashion. But yeah. uh, definitely, a sort of a odd little phenomenon that I, I'm just become privy to today. So you're next. Uh... I think what I've got, I've got a few left here. I've got "Weird Little Christmas" by Jack Blanchard. Um, oh yes. That... Jack, again, if you're listening, we, we love you. We love your work. <laughs> um, I've got ideas for animation. Get in touch. The bees knees. Love these guys. Yeah. Jack and Misty. Yeah, Jack Blanchard. What, what is their what is their Christmas track though? I don't think I knew they they had a Christmas track. Well, they the the only reason they have one is be, apparently because well, let's see the the you explained who uh, Jack Blanchard and Misty Morgan were, but uh, I'll read a little bit. They were a, a duo. Jack Blanchard and Misty Morgan placed 15 <clears throat> singles on the country charts between 69 and 75. Um, they were born three years apart in the same hospital in Buffalo, New York. Both moved to Ohio during childhood and met on the club circuit in Hollywood, Florida, 
where Misty worked as a pianist and, sing- and singer while Blanchard was performing as a pianist and comedian. They were soon married, but no- did not team up professionally for five years. In 1969, they made their recording debut as a team. Blanchard had, become a so- uh, had begun a solo career in 1959 um, with his top 60 single, Big Black Bird, which I do like very much. <laughs> Um, yes. Then they the, the next year they teamed up and released the song Tennessee Birdwalk. Uh, not only reached oh, the yeah, top of the co- yeah. country charts, but crossed over and did respectably well in the pop charts. Following the success of Humphrey the Camel, which also crossed <laughs> over into the pop charts, they had a top thirty hit with "You've Got Your Troubles, I've Got Mine." Um, they they eventually decided to break off from record uh, companies and do their own records. And uh, after the year two thousand. They actually sold pretty well on the in the indie country world by releasing singles from their self-release Back from the Dead album. <laughs> <laughs> this song, Weird Little Christmas, I, don't, I couldn't find anything on it online. However, I did find something on it online a few years ago. And what I remember it said, um, what, what, what this was, I don't know if they had interviewed Jack Blanchard or not, but he said that he was just sitting in his office um, one night, kind of drunk, and he just wrote this thing out and brought a little tiny tape recorder, like a like a dictating tape recorder, into his office and recorded this. Uh-huh. And then he went into the studio and put some backing noise or something behind it, uh, like a like a, a some kind of drone going on and on. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's one of the strangest things I've ever heard. It makes no, it's like this total stream of consciousness thing by Jack Blanchard, a weird little Christmas. Um, recorded in 2004, quite late for, or 2001, I'm sorry, quite late for them. Oh. It was the day before Christmas. We'd been on the road a long time, and we felt like two stomp frogs traveling westward through Illinois or Iowa on our way to some dumb show somewhere. We tried mm-hmm. to tickle each other and give each other noogies and celebrate Christmas in our own way. The countryside looked like a dang Christmas card coming through our bug-filled windshield of our motorhome. Fine dusty snow was starting to whirl around. Dusty Snow is a country singer who likes to whirl around. He's pretty weird, and that's a whole other story. The interstate was highway was just about deserted, except for the guy we just ran over. It began snowing harder. We needed a place to pull in for the night. But we hadn't seen anything open for quite a month. We started to get all upset and bang each other on the head. It was getting dark and the wind was blowing the snow into pornographic shapes. We pulled off at the next exit, but there was no sign of life except this old dumpy barn. The barn had a sign over the door and lights were on inside, so we went in. Turned out to be a little grocery store and some antiques for sale in the back. The antiques were the mama and papa of the guy that owned the place. The owner took us into a little room where they kept boots and snow shuffles. We plugged our electric line in and got out of there because he was acting pretty weird. We dragged our artificial out of the trunk and Misty had it trimmed and on fire in about 10 minutes. We'd been on a long, hard tour, and we didn't have any presents for each other, or even any clean underwear. We looked around at the antiques, picked out some goodies, but we didn't have any way to gift wrap them. They didn't even have any duct tape. 
Two or three at a time, some of the people from the town came into the store, stomping the snow off their shoes and the raccoons off their boots, and saying, Merry Christmas, you idiot, to each other. Smiling and friendly and laughing and, and acting really weird. They offered to take our gifts back to their homes and wrap them for us, and they never came back. We bought some eggnog and cookies in the little store and sat on the floor and had a little party all by ourselves. In the morning, we woke up to snow-covered cornfields and the snow-covered people standing out there frozen, and an old rusty plow was half buried in the snow. Rusty Plow was a country singer who likes to stand in the snow, but that's another story. It was a perfect Christmas. We don't even know the name of the town or the state it's in. It may be Argentina. We just like to think of it as our weird Christmas town. And that's the whole thing. A Weird wow. Little kiss Christmas by Jack Blanchard, yeah. That's yeah, very unique for their, their recordings, because, yeah, usually it's very quite quippy and catchy and little ditties, and, and it's spoken word art there. That was, uh, that was a lovely little uh, treat. All right, well, what am I going to follow that up with? I've got two songs left. We're getting down to our finals of uh, our, our 12 days of Christmas, or 24 tracks of weirdness. Um, I'm going to apologize in advance for this next one. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about Christmas horror early on and uh, trying to include something horrific. And I, I mean, I, I, I deliberated. I took it. I put it on the list. I took it off the list. At the end of the day, I, I had to put it on uh, just because I'm, I'm frankly amazed it exists. So there, there's many versions of the 12 days of Christmas. And, and it's one of those tracks that, yeah, even for this list, it's, it's very hard to like include ones because it's such a damn long song. Everybody kind of gets bored of it towards the end. You have to repeat, repeat, repeat. And the only one that is going to keep you engaged, I think, from beginning to end, would be The 12 Days of Christmas by Gigi Allen, uh, released <laughs> in 1988. So, um, yeah, I mean, clearly, most people are, are familiar with Gigi Allen. Uh, if you aren't, um, I don't know, punk rock icon, the hardest man uh, of punk rock ever. Lots of poop and blood. Uh, that, that would be yes. some of his career. Um, but I, you know what was the sign that I had to include this on my list? Because I was like, oh, he's kind of gross. And I, I have friends that are going to be horrified that I would put this on my list. And it, it's clearly offensive. Um, but I did not realize, okay, Gigi Allen. Uh, Gigi was actually a nickname he acquired from his older brother, Merle. He was born... Jesus Christ Allen was his actual birth name. His dad picked it out for him because he told his wife that Jesus Christ had visited, visited him and told him that the newborn son would be a great man in the vein of the Messiah. His dad was a, a, a religious fanatic, a recluse uh, that, that, that raised his whole family. Uh, they, they were in like a log cabin with no electricity, no running water kind of thing um, out in New Hampshire. And, and uh, his wife eventually, she, you know, she, she managed to escape. I, I think she tried to get away a couple times and it didn't really work. Uh, but finally, she did manage to get the kids out of that situation. Uh, unfortunately, it, it did sound rather horrific. Um, but his, his brother, yeah, could not have pronounced Jesus properly. So he called him Gigi, uh, which became Gigi. And then uh, punk rock history was made. He, he went on to be this very, well, as I said, just, just, just look him up. It, 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 it's, I can't even sum it up. But he did a, a version of the 12 days of Christmas that, as I said, for uh, all this offensiveness and, and just uh, just downright abrasiveness, you got to fucking commend the man. This, this, this took balls to do. So, uh, yeah, I, I, with apologies and, and much, you know, uh, short and short delight, I'm going to expose you to the 12 days of Christmas 
as done by Gigi Allen in 1988. Prepare yourself. My true slut gave to me a virgin so very horny. On the second day, she gave me two pecker rubs and a virgin so very horny. And on the 
I don't want to follow it up with anything. You know what I have left? Somebody make well, yeah. uh, George Bush re, uh, uh, re-edited Reading Night Before Christmas so he makes him sound really oh. silly. Um, I've heard of this. Okay. Yeah. Hanukkah in Santa Monica by Tom Lehrer. <laughs> oh, and I do love my Tom Lehrer. You know okay. that. Which one? Which one do you think? I'm going to go with Tom Lehrer. Okay. Uh, this is yeah. Hanukkah in Santa Monica by Tom Lehrer. Tom Lehrer, born 1928, still alive. Actually, yes. and, a, and and just a legend, and and we should have a Hanukkah song on this. And I'm sorry, like, uh, yeah, I, I will take him over over Bush any day, even even remixed. Yeah. He had a lot more uh, wit and faculty about him. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mathematician, he taught yeah. at Harvard. Uh-huh. This guy was a bloody genius. Yeah. Another one that just sort of musical comedy was just sort of like the side job, but it ended up being almost the main job and the main money maker. Mad love and respect to Tom Lair. Yeah. He is always a delight. And I have not heard this song. So no, I, 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 really I hadn't either. And I didn't, and he actually wrote it. And he was, he was actually Jewish, but became agnostic. So he knew whereof uh-huh. he was, he was, um, he is, was speaking, singing on this song. Actually. Yeah. He seems to have some scathing religious views in a lot of his work. Yes. But, um, exactly. I, I, think, I think that's what happens when you become a mathematician or scientist. You either go the way of agnostic or, or atheist. Or you kind of just dive wholly into it, and you're like, there's a lot of shit we can't explain. And, and yeah. so then I believe in some sort of higher power. But um, yeah. in seven, so one of the more brilliant minds. And yeah, and yeah glad, glad 19, to still, still around and ticking. Yeah. In 1972, he was teaching on the faculty of UC Santa Cruz. And he oh, wow. actually performed songs in his lectures if they pertain to the topic he was uh, uh, lecturing about. In 2001, he taught, taught his last mathematics class on the topic of infinity and retired. He remains around Santa Cruz, and in 2003 said he still hangs out around the around the campus of UC Santa Cruz. Man, I was there last year taking somebody there that was going up there to uh, attend for the first year, two years ago. And I, if I knew he was there, I would have sought him out. Um, sought him out, yes. Yeah. No. 
I'm spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica, wearing sandals, lighting candles by the sea. I spent Shavuos in East St. Louis, a charming spot, but clearly not the spot for me. Those eastern winters, I can't endure them, so every year I pack my gear and come out here to Purim, Rosh Hashanah, I spend in Arizona. And Yom Kippur way down in Mississippi But in December there's just one place for me Amid the California flora I'll be lighting my menorah Like a baby in his cradle I'll be playing with my dreidel Spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica by the sea I'm spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica Wearing sandals, lighting candles by the sea I spent Shavuos in East St. Louis A charming spot, but clearly not the spot for me Those eastern winters, I can't endure them So every year I pack my gear and come out here to Purim, Rosh Hashanah I spend in Arizona and Yom Kippur way down in Mississippi But in December there's just one place for me Amid the California flora I'll be lighting my menorah Like a baby in his cradle I'll be playing with my dreidel Here's the Judas Maccabeus Boy, if he could only see us Spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica By the sea There it is. <laughs> no, upbeat, uh, tongue-in-cheek, per usual. Anything we expect from a classic Tom Lear song. Exactly. I found out that his Vatican rag was based on a song called The Spaghetti Rag, so I looked it up, and oh. it's it's wonderful hearing the song without the Tom Lear lyrics. You just start singing the lyrics when you hear it. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Bonzo's did a lot of that as well. Like, I, right. you know, I'm a big fan of Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, and right. it, it was the same thing. They would find these sort of older classic songs and just rewrite comedic lyrics over top of them. Right. So when you find the originals, it's a, it's a bit of a trip. You're like, oh, I know this tune. But yeah, it, someone put like kind of tongue in cheek sort of words on top of it. I think we both got that on. We both have one left. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I After my Gigi Allen, of course, uh, as an apology and as a palate cleanser, I was saving the best for last. Um, earlier, we were talking about my little mini monkey facts. I am, a, I am a huge fan of the monkeys. I unabashedly, I'm sitting next to my monkey's lunchbox. Um, it's not my generation either. Uh, quite my mother's, but like they started doing reruns on, on Much Music, which is the Canadian MTV, uh, when I was younger. And I, I grew up with the vinyl, and I, I, I abhor when I hear these stories of people saying, like, oh, you know, they were just a boy band, they weren't really musicians, they had no talent. No, 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 no. My full entire monkeys rant about the genius and the excellence of the monkeys, that's going to be another show, so I'm not going to get into it here. However, I did discover, uh, when I was listening to my Christmas tracks, this version that they do, Rio uh, Rio Chiu, it's uh, Spanish, I'm going to mispronounce this now, Valencio. Valencio or Valencio. It's a Spanish Christmas carol. It dates back to Renaissance times, 1500. Uh, monkeys did, now this, this was not like an official Monkeys track. They did an acapella version on the Monkeys Christmas show in 1967. Uh, they learned it from their producer at the time, Chip Douglas. He had learned it from like an earlier sort of like a folk quartet. And um, yeah, they did an acapella arrangement. Uh, it is, it's just stunning. 
It's just stunning. And anyone who ever tells you that the Monkees were just a no-talent-packed boy band, that whatever, those people, first, unfriend them from Facebook and in your life <laughs> in general. Second, just, well, maybe before you unfriend them, send them this track and just show the, the delicacy, the ear, the harmony. All these guys were musicians. They were professional cats, and I just adore them. And so, yeah, um, in my further studies on this, yeah, it, it doesn't really appear anywhere in their collective uh, recorded history until much later sort of like rarities compilations that were made but peter tork recently in 2012 he did tell the chicago sun times that that rio rio was his favorite performance that the monkeys ever did so yeah this is a, a spanish renaissance christmas carol as done by the monkeys in 67 Just cuando el lobo de nuestra cordera, riu, riu, shiu, la guada ribera. Just cuando el lobo de nuestra cordera, Just cuando el lobo de nuestra cordera. El lobo rabioso la quiso morder, mas Dios poderoso la supo defender. Quiso le hacer que no pudiese pecar, ya no original estuviera y no tuviera. Riu, riu, shiu, la guada ribera. Dios cuando el lobo de nuestra codera. Dios cuando el lobo de nuestra codera. Esta que es nacido es el gran monarca, Cristo patriarca de carne vestido, y a nos redimido con sejarse chiquito, aunque infinito, finito se hiciera. Riu, riu, shiu, la vada rivera, Dios cuando el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios cuando el lobo de nuestra cordera. Ah, amazing. I love it. Just, just to show your listeners, I do have a bit of musical taste. I hit you with the GG, but then I polish it off with a little <laughs> monkey of uh, Spanish silencio. No, I, um, that one brought tears. I, I, I do enjoy it. I don't know what the hell to follow that up with. Nothing, yeah. on my, nothing on my list I want to follow that up with. However, there was one that I told you about that I liked, the Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop tra- uh, track. Yes, please do, please do. Okay. I grew up with the, the Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. I had a little lamb chop. Uh, that was a Christmas present that I got. I remember, I quite remember actually getting that for Christmas. It was like a little hand puppet lamb chop character. But uh, no, Sherry Lewis is gold. Okay, this is a, and actually, oh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> you listen to it, it's like, there, there's something kind of like Freudian going on in this song. I'm not sure. There's a lot of like snakes and worms and things in this. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, it's... It, it, that should it, be any great Christmas classic. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> Some Things for Christmas by Sherry Lewis, the, the famous uh, puppeteer, and Lamb Chop, her fo- most famous puppet. Uh, from um, sometime, I believe, in the 1970s. I think it was done. This was recorded for a Sherry Lewis and uh, a Sherry Lewis uh, Christmas special. Some things for Christmas.
did a Christmas show a few years ago, and I mixed together um, wind effects and, and sleigh bells for, like, oh, four it. minutes. So it's just this going for four minutes. <laughs> That's nice. You, you, should, you could make a whole station. Like, um, they have the Yule Log station where they play just a burning log. Yeah. There could be, like, an audio one where it's just you and, and bells and wind. Yeah. Uh, for hours on end. I'll, I'll play it. The, um, the, the, uh, the issue here is I have to go be on another show right now. <laughs> yeah. I think the greater issue is how did we go from Gigi Allen to fucking Lamb Chop? Yeah. <laughs> it was in the span of five minutes. I, I do not, not know. I mean, I think all the, everything Unless after Gigi Allen was kind of to like to salve everybody's uh, spirit going, what? Yeah. Again, I do apologize, but I just had to throw that out there because I didn't even know that fucking existed. And, and, and that is, that is just something that you need to know about if you're into the sort of weird, obscure, and potentially offensive music. But, you know, it's um, it's Christmas time. Time for surprises. It's time to, yeah, uh, explore. That's, that's <laughs> the darkness why, yeah. as well as the light. I even had songs that, um, they didn't make my list this year, but if we, if we happen to make this an annual thing, um, you know, the, the raunchy Christmas song is just a fabulous tradition that goes way back. There's like backdoor Santa. There was right. like one I had uh, on my earlier cut, and it was like I'm going to be your Santa Claus. But the guy, I mean, Christmas is just, just rife for you know excellent sexual puns. You know, yeah. you've got your tree, you've got flying in and out of the chimney, you've got things stocking, you know, stuffing things into stockings. I mean, come on, like, slimy you know, red they're, snakes, they're just, yeah. Exactly. It doesn't take a hell of a lot of imagination to make a, a seriously raunchy kind of sexual Christmas song, yeah. which is probably one of the reasons why I avoided it, because most of the ones I'm like, ah, it's a little too on the nose. Whereas the Gigi Allen one, that's, that's not on the nose so much as the punch in the nose. 
Um, <laughs> which I <laughs> which always like. It. It, made, it, be, really, it made me slightly nervous to broadcast it, but that's why I liked it. And it made me nervous to pick it. And only because I know you and, and, and we had this discussion about, you know what? Like, we've got to fly in the face sometimes. That's the only reason I picked it. It's not that I endorse it. I think that it's crass, it's ludicrous, it's something that's absolutely horrific. It gives me, you know, I, I'm, I'm grimacing, but I have to admire the balls of someone to absolutely go out and, and record this and put this on. He released it on a, on an album. It was a it was a two sider. Um, hold on, let me look at my notes here. The other side of this, like 45, was Santa was dead or Santa is dead. Santa Claus is dead, and um, yeah, he just he. he uh, some people do the um, the Christmas, you know, I'll make my track and make my money or whatever. He apparently went on the other round, uh, other other avenue and was just like, I'm going to release a, a Christmas double side horrific thing that is going to haunt generations for a year. 1988, Gigi Allen's Xmas songs from the album Algae Afterbirth and Black and Blue Xmas Record. That is our Christmas present to one and all. All 24 songs we... Courtney said, let's do 12 Days of Christmas twice, just like we did Halloween, October 13th. We did 13. Well, I think we didn't quite get through it, but our, our plan was 13 twice. 13. 12 is a nice even number. Yeah, 12 is a nice even number. We did get through 24 tracks. Two yeah. to three songs. I guess posted. next will be uh, Easter. We will do the, the the twelve apostles or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. We got to do one. We got to do one maybe for every holiday or maybe something in between. Actually, somebody suggested we do. Um, Weird music episode about uh, oh about the atomic age and nuclear war. There are plenty yes. of songs oh, on that. I'm I'm on board for that. Okay, that'll be our next. We will one. literally blow you away with yeah. that. <laughs> no, that, that was, uh, you, you had some some fabulous tracks for me, and as I said, in retrospect, or you know, in, in, in the time since, I've uh, I've amassed some some excellent ones as well on the subject. And again, a subject that is still timely. Like who knew? Yeah, uh, we'd still be sort of like terrified about nuclear. Holocaust on Christmas, um, years after some of these creations that we played earlier. You know, it's been forty years, but no, it's, it's still possible. Yeah, but yeah. Let's 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 do that one sooner than later. All right. <laughs> Time permitting, is the case where. Yeah. Well, thank and you. And on that note, yes, thank Merry you Christmas. so much, Courtney. Thank you for choosing all this great music <laughs> that cracked me up. And let's do it again soon. Thank you for prodding me to do this because this is this is a treat for me and. Um, yeah, I'm glad you've got some some listeners out there that are enjoying my my warped sense of humor and musical taste, and I'm glad that you're on board. And yeah, man, uh, spread the joy. All right. Season. And we will see you again soon here at Radio Mysterioso. Also, have a great Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever holiday that you celebrate or do not celebrate. We hope you enjoyed this wacky oh. holiday music special. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you. All right.